I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Welcome to my nightmare. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? There are things that go bump in the night. Listen to them, children of the night. They're coming to get you, Barbara. What music they make! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. Rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Number one, you can never have sex. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. Red rum! Red rum! Number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. They're here. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? Here's Johnny. I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Batu, Marada, Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'll be right back. Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcastum, and welcome to your weekly Nerd Alert. Uh, Joining me this week, as always, my stalwart right-hand man, the Chewy to my Han Solo, well, it doesn't quite work, the the Egon to my Ray, that works, we'll go with that. The man who keeps the nerd (laughs) and talk nerdy to me, Commander Scott. Thank you, and by the way, that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. Um... (laughs) So today I, I, I went into a little bit of a uh, a myth uh, debunking. I had to look this up for somebody at work today because it came up. Um, we've all heard the myth, and I'm going with myth because, yes, it is a myth, that glass is not technically a solid but a high vis- highly viscous liquid. Have you heard this? Has everybody yeah, heard this? Yeah, that old chestnut, sure. Yeah, yeah everybody's yeah, heard yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... This usually stems uh, from the fact that uh, window glass in older buildings, like especially pre-20th century buildings, 
uh, is typically thicker at the base. Supposedly, as the myth goes, the glass was evenly thick when installed, but then sagged over time, thickening to the base. However, this is not true. In reality, glass is categorized as a solid. It is technically an amorphous solid, meaning it does not have a crystalline structure, which is why when it comes to glassware, or actually, I'm sorry, I'll take that back. When it comes to stemware, crystal is different from glass. But in quote-unquote olden days, it was difficult to get a perfectly even pane of glass using old-fashioned methods because they were made by hand. So when a craftsman made a reasonably flat piece of glass uh, that he liked, he would cut the glass to size, and if one side was thicker than the other, he put that at the bottom. Why? Because he wasn't stupid, and he didn't want it to be top-heavy. So there you go. Glass is not a liquid. In case there was any doubt, it is an amorphous solid. to rest on this show just now. Well, thank you, Scott. I try. And to finish out our trio, I uh, guess that makes him our Venkman, uh, coming to us from somewhere in time and space. It's the Doc. And listen, I want you to tell me everything, Doc. Everything. Uh, everything? Everything. Everything. Okay, I'll talk. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my Uncle Max's toupee and glued it to my face when I was Moses in my Hebrew play. Fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie down the stairs and I blamed it on the dog. When my mom sent me to the summer camp for fat kids and then they served lunch, I got nuts and I pigged out and they kicked me out. But the worst thing I ever done. I mixed a pot of fake puke at home and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, and then I made a noise like this. And then I dumped it over the side, all over the people in the audience, and then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. I, I think we broke them. That was the chunk speech <laughs> as performed by the doc. Uh, I love chunk. Bravo, sir. Sloth love chunk. Right, so, so from now on, you just have to have random 80s movie monologues ready to go. And oh. when I say <laughs> thespian act well your part, you just have to launch into it, Jay. Oh, man. I remember that from high school. I was a cheerleader. Uh, pretty sure I had to move before that happened. Yeah. If he, if he was a cheerleader, does 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 that make him our Janine now? <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, the three of us uh, are the three Musketeers, uh, and this is our show, Nerd Alert. Where we're going to talk to you about nerdy shit for the next uh, like ninety minutes because that's how the show works. <laughs> Ever listened to one before? Now you know. There's no surprises left. Great intro. I know. I'm awesome, Adam. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> continuing with this month's theme, that being spooky season, uh, because it is at the time of this recording October, and it is in full. Well, I can't say full steam ahead. It's a full cool down ahead. Uh, the leaves are turning colors, are falling off the trees, and until today, anyway, it was reasonably cool outside, <laughs> which means it's spooky month, uh, which is our favorite time of year because Halloween is the favorite holiday 
of the Top Nerdy To Me Network. Uh, so we're going to continue on with our our series of spooky month related stuff. We've done a lot about movies lately, uh, and, and we will in the future because uh, we like movies. But this week we're going to vary things up a little bit. It's still going to be spooky, but uh, we're going to get a little more involved with the spooky this time because we're talking about uh, best favorite scariest games both uh, board video and psychological uh, that you can play at home <laughs> here's a fun game to play kids and I learned this one in driver's edge Jay, you'll know where I'm going with this uh, you, you're in uh, you're at a, a stop uh, next to an older person uh, you put your car in reverse and you just slowly start to back up it's important no one's behind you when this happens uh, and then watch the person next to you freak out as they think that they're rolling into traffic and start slamming on the brakes <laughs> my driver's head instructor taught me that is that Caesar ready uh, it was um, Mackie oh god yeah that doesn't yeah. surprise me one bit when I walked yeah. into class late, and he goes, "Oh, you must be Mr. Peacock," because my brother already had him. <clears throat> yeah, look yep. at you! Look at you exploiting one of the consequences of Newton's laws of motion. <laughs> yep, that's what I was doing. If you want, I can explain that to you. Nope, we already had a nerd fact today. <laughs> you want to keep the audience awake? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, uh, Doc, you pitched out this idea, and I loved it. So I'm gonna let you take it away. Um, what do you look for in a scary game? What are your favorite scary games? I don't know. Go for it. Um, so I like with scary movies, I'm not a huge fan of scary games, but I will play them. Um, and one that I played that I'm probably going to end up stealing off of Obi John's list. Just scared the bejesus out of me. Um, I couldn't play it in the dark. Um, although you have to play it in the dark in order to see anything. Um, <laughs> and it, the first time you see the antagonist of this game, you about crap your pants. Um, Jay, is this by chance a movie tie-in title? It is. Is it by chance the movie we always wanted but never got? Yep, oh, probably. Okay. Uh, and if you haven't figured it out, I'm talking about Alien Isolation. Number one with a bullet. Wow, that's totally uh, where I'm not, not not where I was going. Sorry. <laughs> We're not talking Where'd about Star Wars Pod Racer. No, that, that's next week. No, no, no. Um, no, Alien Isolation. I mean, I I bought it on the recommendation from Obi John. I started playing it, and I literally crapped my pants almost every time I played it. Uh, hard on your laundry. It was. <laughs> But he played uh, naked, so it was okay. It was hard on, on the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, you know, so it's a direct sequel to the first Alien movie. Um, you play as Ellen Ripley's daughter, and she's searching for her mom. And it they end up going to, oh, I can't remember the name of the station now. Sevastopol. Yep. And they, there is a xenomorph problem on the space station that you're not exactly sure what's going on until you actually see the alien and uh, it does it scares the hell out of you and like I knew what the game was supposed to be and that eventually you were going to see it 
but you always kept waiting for it. And then when it actually shows up the first time, you're like, Jesus. Um, and no, they, then... they, they teased the shit out of you the first probably 20 minutes of that game. Uh, yeah. Every time something makes a racket or a rustle or, or you know, certain uh, um, um, uh, patches of like the, the spaceship or, uh, you know, tubular and whatnot, you're like, oh, it's going to come out of there. It's going to come out of there. It's gonna come out. And then like a wire will pop loose and that thing. You know, like they, they are just trolling the shit out of you the first 20 minutes of that game because you know it's coming. Yeah. Are, are those sections of the space station totally tubular? Oh. Totally, dude. <laughs> Uh, so it's, it is, it's a scary game. Uh, you can't really, you can't defeat the alien. Um, you can only sort of try to defend yourself and hide and hiding doesn't work a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, there are pretty cool cut scenes for how you get killed. Um, that's half yeah. the fun of the game. Is oh how am I going to die this time? Because you're going to die a lot, a lot. Uh, so yeah. I feel like the the, the developers are like, like you're going to die a lot, so we need to make the kills cool and have lots of them, so you don't get bored because you're going to die a lot. Yeah. Um. It. But yeah, I know I didn't. I didn't get a chance to get all the way through. I wish I could have, but I didn't. Um. Time restraints with being a teacher and whatnot. Uh. So, but. From what I did play, which was a lot of it, I was very terrified most of the time. So, well, I'm going to piggyback off all that because um, that was my number one game. Because uh, horror game aside, I just think it's an amazing game. Uh, I think it's a, a pure uh, miracle. This game came out as as, as amazing as it is. Um, first of all, you got to give it credit for going. Anytime you get an alien game. They always default to, and I'm not upset by this because I love aliens, but the default when you go to alien games is aliens, space marines and xenos and the station and the APCs and the pulse rifles and, you know, like go back to the history of alien games. Most of them are like that. There's literally an alien three arcade game that gives you a pulse rifle, even though there's no pulse rifles in alien three. Except for the end, but that's a whole different thing. Anyway, that's that's the default for Alien games. And I don't fault people for that, because I love those games. But the developers of this game are like, no, no, no. We're not going to base this on Aliens. We're not even going to have Ellen Ripley in it. We're going to go back to the roots. We're going to make this a horror game. A survival horror game, because that's what the first movie is. And the entire design aesthetic of the game is based on the look and feel of the Nostromo the technology level presented in the first movie where it's the future and supercomputers, but they're all like, you know, seventies tech, like if seventies tech just kept, you know, staying the way it was. And we built spaceships out of that. Here's what they look like. You know, lots of giant circuit boards and, and cathode, uh, uh, screens and shit like that. Um, the, the, uh, you know, piping, uh, padded walls and stuff like that. Like the whole design aesthetic of this space station that you're on is based on the look of the field of the Stromo. So, and they capture it beautifully. Um, one of my favorite parts of the game is a, a downloadable content, uh, add on mission called Last Survivor, where you literally play on the Nostromo as one of the characters from the first movie trying to carry out missions while the alien's talking. You literally get to play through scenarios 
from the first Alien movie. The whole cast uh, came back to lend their likeness and do voice work for it. It's awesome. Um, so not only do you get to play in a world modeled after that, you literally get to go play on the Nostromo, which is awesome. Uh, the AI built for the Xenomorph, second to none. Uh, again, the default for alien games is throw lots of aliens at you so you can blow them apart with a pulse rifle. I don't hate on that. But this game, again, differed things up. There's one alien. One. And we're going to put all of our time and our effort into developing that one Xeno and, and, and writing a whole new AI program so that every encounter you have with it is unpredictable. And every time you encounter it, like the doc stated earlier, uh, you shit your pants because you don't know what it's going to do. Uh, it isn't running on set patterns where you can like hide and wait for the you know the wait toward, for it to finish walking through its its you know predestined pattern that's moving around the ship. Uh, it responds to you, responds to no. We make uh, like you know you can hide in, but if you breathe too loud, it hears you. If you get out of the locker too noisily, it's going to come right back because it heard a noise. Um, so yeah, they, they poured all the time and attention into making this one, you know, uh, as realistic and as intimidating and as scary as fuck as it should be. Um, going through my notes, uh, it, it gives you, um, there's a whole crafting system cause you play as Amanda Ripley, Ellen Ripley's daughter, which I think is a, a genius way to connect this back to the original film without being, another forgotten chapter in Ellen's past or like, you know, the alien colonial Marine game, uh, resurrects Hicks and has a super stupid convoluted, uh, reason for why Hicks is still alive. Like this was a genius idea, uh, simple and it works wonders. It's a, it's Ripley, but it's Amanda Ripley. Um, but she's, she's not a Marine. She doesn't have any, you know, combat training or weapons training. Uh, she's an engineer. So she crafts shit. You know, you're, you're scavenging around the ship to find parts and pieces. She puts them together and makes things like noisemakers, Molotov cocktails, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, so you can, you know, get yourself out of a tough squeeze. But uh, even when you do get actual weapons like the um, the revolver and the shotgun and eventually a flamethrower, those will help you get out of a situation. Those will help you defend yourself. Till you can get out of a room, but you cannot play this game guns a blazing. You're going to die. Uh, and not just from the alien, but there's a whole, uh, the working Joes. So you're, you're, you're on a space station built not by Wayland yutani but built by another corporation called Siegsun. <coughs> uh, and they're like the Kmart brand, Wayland yutani Uh, their tech isn't quite <laughs> as good as Wayland yutani Uh, they're kind of going out of business. The whole station's being decommissioned. Um, so they're working Joes, their AI, not quite as advanced as, you know, Ash or Bishop, um, in the, in the alien movies. Um, uh, so the, the working Joes are clearly, you know, kind of like rubber skin glowy eye. Uh, but they're, they've gone a little haywire. So they see everybody as a threat. So they'll kill you. They're probably the most frustrating part of the game. I think Jay will agree with me on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you can, you know, they give you weapons, you can craft things, but again, there, there's no way to to play this in action mode where you can just mow down all your enemies and get your stuff done. First of all, you're not going to have enough ammo. It's going to keep spawning enemies. Uh, you've got to be smart. You've got to play it as a survivor. You can't play it, you know, uh, Colonial Marine style. Um, and there's no way, there's no weapon or item they give you that will let you kill the Xeno. At best, if you get the flamethrower, you can sort of fight it off. But it's going to come back, and it's going to come back pissed. 
because you just shot a flamethrower at it. Uh, like, you know, it might come charging at you and you might, you know, divert it out of your way, but it's going to go up into the, the rafters and come back around behind you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get you uh, with its razor fingers. Uh, it's uh it's a fantastic game if you're an alien fan it is a a perfect survival horror game if you're a fan of that genre uh which i have a love-hate relationship with um it's i i cannot praise this game enough i love it Uh, i just bought a new copy of it last year so i can play it on ps4 because i bought it on ps3 when it first came out i think you can get it right now in these uh the playstation store for like 7.99 because they're having a Halloween sale, uh, worth every penny. Pick it up. Cool. The uh, the only Alien game, Alien tie-in game I ever played in my life was the original uh, Aliens versus Predators, which is a great game. It is a great game, but it's definitely just a straight up, like you said, first person shooter. Um, um, but playing i the only part i didn't like playing was the, when you play the alien i didn't care for that yeah. um playing the uh, the colonial marines were cool and uh playing the predator was cool cuz that was the first time i was introduced to the predator's different modes of vision yep someone didn't watch predator 2 no i did i don't remember okay. it having a other other thing besides heat vision okay yeah, in the but, cooler. Uh, keep, keep in mind, uh, the, the only time I have ever watched Predator 2 was when it came out on VHS. I watched it with my dad. We rented it one weekend. That was so you're due for a rewatch. That's all I've seen of it since then. And literally the only scene I remember was at the end when Danny Glover goes aboard the ship. Fair enough. Also a good scene. Uh, no, Alien Isolation is awesome. And it is. Uh, and again, you can yeah. pick it up in un- unbelievably cheap right now on the PlayStation Store. Um, so definitely worth every penny there. And that's that's not just the game. That's the game and all the DLC content. Uh, so you can play on the Nostromo. You can play the... Uh, they, they came out with some stuff later on where you're playing on the space station like as the Xenomorph outbreak happens. Because um, when you get there as, as Amanda, the shit's already hit the fan. And there's like pockets of people trying to survive and whatnot. And, and you can play through as all that's happening with other characters. Um, my only complaint about this is they leave it completely open-ended, um, sequel baity teaser ending. Uh, I mean, they conclude the story, but then they leave, they leave shit dangling intentionally like to set up a, Another game, and despite being very well reviewed and selling, you know, uh, making plenty of money, uh, the only thing remotely close to a sequel for this game was a goddamn mobile game that is a clone of Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. You're Amanda Ripley on another space station controlling doors and hatches while people go around and do things, and you try to protect them from the alien. Don't waste your money on it. Uh, I bought it because it was like 99 cents on uh, Alien Day last year, the year before. Played it for about 15 minutes and then deleted it off my phone. It's that terrible. Um, but we do get to see the character of Amanda Ripley continue on in uh, some of the Dark Horse comics. They've brought her back as a recurring character. So she's got that going for her. All so, right. So I can talk about Alien all day. It's awesome. Goodbye. <laughs> Scott, that was kind of our pick. So what do you got? 
Well, so I'm going to tell you right now when it comes to this type of thing. Excuse me. I'm going to be the odd duck out. Something new for you? Yeah, I know. I figured I'd try some <laughs> new waters. Um, so, so, so I'm going to preface this going in that none of the games that I, I want to talk about are scary in any shape, form, or fashion. Okay. Because all the games that, that, that I have uh, are board games. I got a couple of those. Um, I know, but I, I I'm not a I play video games, but I don't really get into video games that much. Um, and and personally, I I just don't think a board game of any kind can be scary. I mean, there's just no way to really ratchet up that kind of that level of tension. There's there's horror board games, sure, um, but. You win a board game, like I said, you just can't ratchet up that level of scary. You just can't get that atmosphere. At least not like a video game can. Jay's got his windows open again. No, they're closed. Oh, wow. Well, you know, when the trucks are driving through the, the living room downstairs. Hey, yep. It's not scary. Um, but... Uh, but I, I do have several games that are are very much Halloween themed. Uh, I guess you could think maybe spooky theme, but they're not going to okay. scare you because you can't maintain that level of atmosphere uh, in playing okay. a board game. At least in my opinion, if there's people out there who can and they've done a really good job with it, I would love to hear from them to tell me how they did that because that would be awesome. But anyway, so when I think of you know Halloween time and playing games, getting together and stuff like that, my, the, the first one that pops to my top of my list of games to, to pull out um, in my repertoire. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's one of Opie John's favorite games of all time. He loves this game. I can't get him to stop wanting to play it. Uh, it's a game that came out in 2004. Um, originally by Avalon Hill. Uh, and I'm not sure if they still publish it or not. Or, uh, I, I don't think they do. I think Wizards of the Coast has it now, but in its second edition. But it was called uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, and I love this game for a number of reasons. So first of all, you're you're playing... Every player, it's, it's, it's two to five players. I'm sorry. Three to six players. I had something different uh, in my head there for a second. Uh, three to six players... Um, and you're all a bunch of strangers who have met up at this, this, uh, uh, I call it, uh, spooky domicile on slightly sloping incline. Um, of course you do. Uh, you, you've all shown up at this, this house, this mansion. I mean, we, we've seen I mean, how many movies are, are like this. I mean, there's 10 little Indians. There's, uh, um, uh, the, the Vincent Price movie that I can't think of the name of right now, but, um, and you're all just you're you're different you're you're just strangers there's like a there's one character that's uh like a well each character has two each each miniature has two different characters you could play like uh, there's one that looks like a scientist he can either be a scientist or uh, a priest uh you've got one uh lady that looks like a housewife and she has two different characters there's one that's a creepy little girl with a with a bear there's one who's the jock there's you know you so um, you have to go around exploring this house. And eventually, 
you 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 trigger what they call the haunt. And this is where I think this game really just does very well is when you buy this game, it comes with 50 different haunts. And going into the game, you never know which one you're going to be playing because the haunt is when the haunt is triggered, there's a chart for you to look at to see who triggered the haunt using, you know, which card was drawn when the haunt was triggered. Um, uh, and when that happens, um, with, with very few exception, you find out that one of the people playing is actually a traitor, hence betrayal. So the person who's the traitor will, uh, take the, the traitor handbook into another room and they will turn to the prescribed section and they will read to themselves what their now goal to win the game is. And the rest of the people who are the survivors, um, they will take the survivor's handbook there at the table. They will open it to the prescribed section and they will now read what their goal is to, to win the game. And then the group comes back together and you, you finish out the game. So you've got exploration, you've got variety. I've owned this game, you know, since it came out, uh, in 2004. Uh, so I still have first edition. Um, and I think I've played a repeat once in all that time. And I've not yet made it through all of the haunts. Um, and here recently, uh, I say recent, relatively speaking, recently within the last three years, um, the original designer of the game was brought back to do an expansion called Widow's Walk, um, which adds. Uh, so when you explore the house, you, you've got ground floor, basement, and upper floor. Uh, and when you explore a new room, you, you randomly look through tiles until you get a tile that tells you it'll fit on whatever floor you're on. You flip it and you, uh, you place the tile. Um, so Widow's Walk adds the attic to the house. Uh, and it also adds uh, 50 new haunts, 50 new stories. Now, with a total of 100 stories you know, total in the game, as much as I hate to say it, not every one is going to be well balanced. I mean, they're just not. Uh, so you've got some that are really fun, some that are kind of eh, but that doesn't bother me because I always have a lot of fun when I play it, and I've lost more than I've won. So uh, I love this game. Uh, like I said, I know Obi John has played it with me at least once. I think maybe twice. Um, Doc, I don't think you've ever played this game. I have not. But I think you would enjoy it. No. Uh, it, yeah, go ahead. I had a bad experience my first time playing this game. And by that, I mean this game bent me over and <laughs> stuck it up my backside. Uh, did, I think my did. character was dead within like four moves. Um, well, four moves of the haunt being triggered because you can't die prior to that. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, very bad, negative first experience. Uh, a few weeks ago, we played a variant of the game because there is a Scooby-Doo version um, yes. designed for younger players. Um, I had a much better time playing that. Uh, I got to be this creepy old man in the costume chasing those uh, meddling kids. And uh, <laughs> through accidental cheating, uh, I won the game. Yeah. So I enjoyed that much better the second time. Um, I don't hate the game. 
I hated my experience, and that yeah. did uh, <laughs> that that did unfairly uh, taint my my impressions of it. But that being said, game mechanics wise, yes, it's a really fun game. Yeah, I, I love the exploration aspect of it that the the house is, unfolds as you explore it. Um, so I'm not unwilling to play it again. Um, yeah, Scooby Doo was was very fun, uh, and like you said, it it has been geared toward younger players, so it simplifies some of the uh, mechanics for for a much younger uh, audience. Um, it, it actually is a good gateway to get you know a, a child who likes to play games with the, the family but isn't quite ready for the full experience not that the main game is overly complicated it's not it's actually a very simple game in its own right but it this one does simplify it further uh and when we played that um i accidentally lied to you you asked me uh while we were playing if that was the the first licensed version of the game with licensed content. Uh, I said yes, but I was wrong because I forgot I don't have this copy. There is a D&D version uh, called Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of that one because they changed the haunt role mechanics, the mechanics by which the haunt is triggered. And it. I've played, the Burks have it, some friends of ours have it, and... Uh, um, we've played maybe five or six games and, uh, uh, I think the haunt triggers way too fast in that version. Like literally the, we've had the haunt trigger on turn three before. Oh, wow. Yeah. When you've got, and, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the haunts, um, basically, uh, depend on you going to certain rooms and doing things. Well, if you haven't uncovered them, you've got to find them. So, you know, the hot triggering on turn three, turn four, you don't have a lot explored yet. So you're kind of behind the eight ball going in. Um, there's also another version out there for, uh, for anybody who likes this style of game. There's a legacy version. Uh, for those who don't know, um, a legacy board game is uh, a style of board game. Um, Typically, there are other, like, there's only been a couple that have been designed as a legacy game ground up. Usually, it's a legacy version of an existing game, starting with Risk Legacy. Um, You play a number of, a a predetermined number of games over which all the decisions and outcomes made during those plays will affect the board and gameplay going forward uh, until you're done with the requisite set. And then you just you're just left with a game with those changes still in place, and uh, th- this one has a very good legacy system in that uh, you 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 pick a character um, and you give them a name, and um, it basically tracks the history of the house. It starts in like the 19th century, and like each game advances ten or twenty years, something like that. And whoever wins the game, when you play the next game, they have the option of either creating a new character or replaying their old character at a, at a much older stage of their, their, their life and continuing this, this ongoing story type thing. Um, uh, some, friends of, some friends of ours have, well, two groups of friends of ours have each a copy. One of them, we started playing it, and I think we got about halfway through, and then the, the world stopped for a while. So, Yeah, that'll happen. <clears throat> Very fun. Once again, you're not going to get scared playing this game. But it's definitely a Halloween theme. 
Uh, if you have some good Halloween music on in the background, you know, some some fun Halloween snacks and stuff like that for people to play. Uh, maybe some ketchup bottles full of fake blood that you could just randomly squirt at people unless they get mad at you for that sort of thing. You could do that. That was oddly specific. <laughs> so anyway, that's always the top of my list for Halloween games when it, when it, around Halloween time to play. Love this game. Yeah, it's, it's a good game. It, get some friends together and go explore Hunter House. That's basically uh, the gist. Yeah. Without having to leave the house. It's even better. Uh, so I'm not going to stray too far from a certain formula because apparently I'm just a sucker for these games. Uh, but if you're talking survival horror and video games and space, uh, and dead things in space, uh, you see where I'm going yet? Dead space, uh, is a fantastic game. I can't recommend the whole trilogy, but the first game is phenomenal. Uh, imagine if um, the th- the first alien and um, I wrote down Mass Effect, but that's not what I meant. I meant um, Event Horizon had a nightmare abortion of a child. Uh, <laughs> that's what this game is. And I mean that. I mean that in a nice way. Um, so you play as an engineer named Isaac. Uh, who is uh, finds this abandoned ship, uh, and you start exploring it, and you learn the entire ship has been taken over by a race called the Necromorphs, which if that sounds like zombie xenomorph, you're not far off. Um, they are some of the most grotesque, horrifying, what-the-fuck-was-that creatures I've ever seen in a video game. Uh, they don't have any one central form. They just are... are the dead flesh of people that have been, you know, radically mutated, um, or in some cases, the dead flesh of alien species. Um, the only way to kill them is to graphically <laughs> dismember them because it's a horror game. Uh, so your your main weapons, because you're an engineer, again, are not uh, there is like a pulse rifle in the game, um, but you're cheating if you use that and you know it. Uh, most of the weapons in the games are tools repurposed to be used as weapons. Uh, so you have a uh, like a um, trip line uh, layer, which like literally just cut stuff in half. Uh, your main weapon, I forget what it's called. It's like a laser drill or whatever. But you can change uh, the way it fires from vertical to horizontal, literally to help you strategically blow off limbs of uh, necromorphs because it's easier to slow them down by shooting out their kneecaps uh, than to try to kill them sometimes. Um but it's one of those, again, very limited resources, so you got to be careful. You've got to think about how you get through a situation. You can't just one-man army your way through it. Um, go through my notes, make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, the design of the ship is great. Uh, it has a, a logical flow because you're going to be running through, you know, rerunning through parts of the ship fairly regularly. You'll get to know it well. Um, design very creepily. Um it's got a great atmosphere. It uses lighting really, really well. Um, one of the things that made the game unique when it came out, you've seen this done a lot more recently, uh, but there is no HUD system for the game. Um, it helps immerse you in it because you don't have like your health bar at the bottom and a mini map in the corner and, you know, stuff like that. The info you need to know, your ammo count, your health status, are all displayed to you either on Isaac's spacesuit or on the weapon you're using. 
uh, anytime there's a an audio file or a video file you need to watch, it will project from Isaac's little wrist computer thing um, in real time, and you can move around the environment while that's playing. It doesn't stop the gameplay to give you uh, a scene you need to listen to for exposition. And all those things help kind of break down the barriers of, of I'm playing a video game, and it kind of helps keep you immersed in the game. Definitely play this by yourself with the lights off and get really into it or maybe with an audience with the lights off. Um, again, it's something you see done a lot in games nowadays, but this is one of the first ones to really kind of take advantage of that. Um, lots of cool replay value. You can, again, there's a crafting system in the game, kind of like Alien Isolation, so you can upgrade your weapons, upgrade your suit, uh, build new stuff with scrap you find. Uh, there's uh, suits, new suits to buy and unlock, so there's there's some replay value there. Um, it, it's it's a really, really fun, until Alien Isolation came along. I used to say this is the greatest Alien game we've ever gotten uh, because it borrows heavily from the first Alien movie with the you know, creepy spaceship environments. Um, but the, the creature design is, has much more in common with um, John Carpenter's The Thing than it does with Xenomorphs. Uh, it's a, if you're a horror fan, this is a great game to play because it feels like, again, an, an unholy marriage of uh, Alien, The Thing, and um, I... I keep wanting to say Mass Effect. Event Horizon. Event Horizon. God damn. Thank you, Jay. Um, just dark <laughs> and creepy and super immersive and uh, intuitive gameplay. You'll you'll figure out your controls uh, very quickly. Um, but it varies up the gameplay enough to keep you interested and excited and gives you enough story to want to continue on and, and solve some mystery of what the hell's going on and where these things came from. There are three games in the series. I played the first two. I can recommend those. I haven't played three, but from everyone who has played three, they introduced a co-op element to it, which you should never have co-op in survival horror. It kind of takes all the uh, survival horror-ness out of it when you've literally got a buddy you're playing with. Um, it also puts it on a planet, and it's like a snow planet, so it's like, okay, we're literally just making the thing now. So, I don't know. Uh, but definitely, definitely <laughs> play the first game, uh, Dead Space. Uh, can't recommend it enough. That's all my notes. Yeah. All right. So Steal that, Jay. <laughs> uh, the next one is another video game, and it's actually I'm going to double down. This is a twofer Uh-oh. because I I enjoy both of them equally. Uh, now I've haven't played these in a long time, and the times that I did play them were with Obi John. But we had a blast; it was a lot of fun. Uh, the second one took a lot of what the first one did well, and then just sort of made it better. Um, what I'm talking about is Left for Dead. And oh yeah, Left for Dead too. What about oh, yeah. Right for Dead? Uh, no, nice. no right for dead. No. Okay, fine. So what it is 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 a cooperative game. You and I think you can play with up to four people. If you're playing online, I believe. Yeah, but if you're playing with another person, it's you and another person. And well, even if you're playing by yourself, you have a group of people with you. But the goal in Left for Dead is you are a survivor of the zombie apocalypse, and you, along with these other survivors 
are trying to in the first one you're trying to get rescued um so like there's an office building um i there's other i can't think of any of the other ones right now but the office building sticks in my head is a is um, an amusement park uh there's like a, a bayou um or was that yeah. the second one that's the second one i'm thinking of maybe yeah i played so, the second one a lot more than the first one Right. So the and and I will say that the second one is a lot more fun. It has a story to it. The first one is a good introduction and it's like it just sort of are they're different set pieces. It's not there's nothing to tie all the set pieces together. It's just you have to survive. The second until one also you're... introduces melee weapons, which is super fun. Yeah. And you're so you're left to you have to survive until rescue shows up and there's different types of zombies um, that you have to watch out for uh, that have differing levels. Um, Everybody's equipped with a flashlight, I believe. And you search for things like weapons, uh, guns, ammo, uh, and you just have to survive. And it's a first person shooter style game, but the, the second one is more fun because it connects the stories. So like in one of them, you have to find gas cans to fuel a car and then you're driving the car, but then the car breaks down and then you, so all the, it's all interconnected. So you have to get from one spot to the next. It's a load of fun to play with another person. Um, it's not horribly scary. Uh, there are some jump scares. Um, what sticks in my mind is when John and I played the first left for dead and the helicopter was coming down and I was going to get on the helicopter, a giant tank came out of nowhere and threw John off the building and ended up killing John. I don't you, know if you remember left that. me for dead. I no, I was <laughs> helping to get you on the helicopter. And that but, tank uh, when you say tank, I'm assuming you're not meaning like an M1A1A. No. So something. there's, there's, yeah. There There's are like uh, multiple classes of infected you fight against. So you've got your ah, mill zombies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's also the tanker, which is your giant, you know, rhino runs through stuff enemy. There are what are they called? The witches, which are the creepiest ones. They're the creepy ass little girls. Um, yeah. Uh, that look like they're a real little girl until they turn around and they have like the face of the devil. Um, and they they shriek and attract a whole bunch of other zombies to you. Uh, there, there's uh, wasn't there one that like exploded? Yeah, I forget what they're called, but they they spit out like bile at you, and when you kill them, they explode. So you got to really keep your distance. Um, yeah, so it it varies things up. It's not just hordes of just you know run of the mill zombies. There's different uh, classes you have to look out for and strategize for. Um, the coolest revolutionary thing about that game uh, is it has a director system. So there's an AI program they call the director, like it's a film. And depending how you and your friends are playing, it will vary things up. So if you guys are moving very slow and meticulous and careful, it will throw in a bunch of tankers to force you apart and to force you to move. If you're if you're uh, playing fast and aggressive, it'll throw you know more enemies to you. It 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 adapts the game and the enemies and where they spawn and what it spawns to how you're playing. So your game, even though you might be playing the same few levels over and over, your experience is going to vary every time depending on how you play. Well, that's kind of cool. It's very cool. It, 
It's a fun game. It's and I honestly haven't played it since I played it last with John. And I like I loved that game. It was so much fun to play. I don't know if they have a remastered version of that or not for like PS4, but that would be awesome. It's, it was it was one of the first co-op games I got into, and it's one of those. Yeah, as soon as I played it, I was like, okay, Jay's got to play this because um, especially in two, uh, in one you have like eight weapons you can you know uh, pick up and cycle through in two there's you know dozens of them and they include melee weapons so you can get stuff like baseball bat samurai sword uh i think there's an electric guitar as a weapon because uh, you know you're picking stuff up and using it uh but it, it it adds a really cool element to the game uh so you can be a little more stealthy but then it's got stuff like assault rifles and submachine guns and hunting rifles and shotguns and uh a yep. few different kinds of pistols and you know tons of stuff and you can upgrade those as you play through the game um, you get things like uh, better sights or a red dot uh, aimer or stuff like that. Um, really, really fun. Yeah, good. Yeah, super good fun pick. game. I'd forgotten all about those games. Good. Yeah, times. Left for Dead. Uh, Left for Dead Two is better, and they keep you know, every every few years you hear rumors of a Left for Dead Three, but I think the the zombie craze kind of fell out, and I don't know if there's much uh emphasis from the studio to push that out again but that'd be cool yeah great game man yeah scott yes i believe we're on to you (laughs) are you sure no i'm never sure about anything (laughs) okay we're gonna go with you scott okay I mean, I, I, I guess of, I, I could go. Twice in a row, so if you if if you want, I mean, I could go. That that's fine. You don't want to go? No, no, no. That's fine. I mean, um, but uh, I'm not going to talk about a video game. Just just letting you know. That's fine. Another board game. I got a couple of those coming. I like board shocked. games. I know. Shocked, Scott. Shocked. Unfortunately, this board game. Neither one of you all have played. And I think you would both like it. Okay. So we should all play it sometime. Um, it's called Fury of Dracula. Yes, please. Because um, I almost of... bought that until I sent you a picture of it. And you said, yeah, I own that. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll put this back. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Good game. Love it. Excuse me. So this game originally came out in 1987. Um, second edition came out in 2005. Uh, third edition came out in 2015. And the fourth edition, I believe, came out uh, either 2019. I own the third edition. Uh, what's interesting was that this game toiled in relative obscurity because when it came out in 1987, so when it comes to board games and tabletop games, there's... There's three distinct styles of tabletop games. Now, there's, there's more subgenres, but there's there's three broad categories. There's board games, and everybody knows a board game. You know what a board game is. You can identify a board game. It's it's pretty. First of all, usually there's a board of some kind, whether you build it or it's there. Blah blah blah. Uh, then you have tabletop wargaming, which is you know miniatures like Warhammer Forty Thousand. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy, uh, uh, Flames of War, that type of thing, where you build and paint the miniatures. 
Um, and then there's a there's a third type that not a, it has a, a much smaller base uh, that's called historical war game wargaming. And this is this is somewhat more of a it's a board game, but these games do the best that they can to try and predict actual historical and real world uh, events as closely and statistically as they can, which is why it's a very eclectic group of people who play these games because they are usually extremely rule heavy. And when Fury of Dracula came out in 1987, it kind of pushed the envelope boundaries between board game and historical war game because this game while it has the fantastical elements of dracula and vampires it's very closely rooted in the real world because it is a direct sequel to um the the original bram stoker novel of dracula um it takes place Oh, hell, I forget how long after. Um, uh, I want to say, like, somewhere between six and nine years uh, after uh, the the book. Um, you find out that uh, the, the, the heroes from the first book did not kill Dracula like they thought. They just hurt him really bad, and now he's back. And he's not happy. Um, so, so the plot of every Castlevania game ever. Got it? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, it is... Um, uh, two to five players, I believe. So you've got one person playing Dracula. And then you've got up to four players uh, playing other characters. And the other characters are um, Van Helsing, uh, Mina... And two other characters from the book that I can't remember to save my life right now. I'm looking. Doctor Seward. Doctor Seward is one of them, and I can't remember the other one. Quincy. No. Not Quincy. Uh, and not and not Jonathan Harkness. Harker. Harker. Harkness. Whatever. Um, because Mina and 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 Jonathan Harkerness. Um, okay. They they got married and had a kid, and Mina left uh, Jonathan with the kid to go hunt down Dracula. So the goal of the game is you're Dracula, you're trying to, to regain your power base, and you're trying to uh, um, you're trying to build up your strength. <clears throat> Excuse me, and your your power and everything because um, you're very weak. Is it Lord Arthur Homewood? That sounds right. Okay. That sounds right. Um, but, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a map of, um, 19th century Europe and Dracula can start anywhere on the board that he wants. Uh, and the, the four people have specific starting locations and basically the four people are chasing, they're, they're looking for Dracula in Europe. Okay. Um, and this game uses hidden movement rules. So Dracula's miniature is never on the board until he's discovered. And the way it works is so Dracula has a, has a mini map that he can look at himself. So he doesn't have to look at the board to determine his next moves. So he didn't, so you're, you're not, you know, using your finger to count movement spaces and stuff and giving away where you're at by your eyesight. 
So you've got this little little bitty map that you can look at. Uh, and then Dracula has a stack of cards that correspond with every location on the board. And when Dracula moves to a new location, um, he basically takes that card and he puts it in the next slot. So that card on the board is where he's at. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also has different things he can do. He can lay traps. He can create nests of zombies, uh, nests of vampires, uh, hellhounds, uh, things of that nature in areas that he's at to uh, ambush the characters as they find him. So when uh, the characters go into an area I think that he's been or something. He has to reveal the card and then, you know, Hey, we're on his trail because we know he was here and we know that there's four jumps from where he was to where he is. And so you'll, you'll start to narrow down where he's at. Um, Some of the exceptions to this are if Dracula travels by water, the locations for the water have a different back. So while you don't know which water space he's on, you'll know if he goes on water. Um, and the, the castle Dracula card is completely unique. So you'll always know when he returns to castle Dracula. Um, and so, yeah, so you're chasing Dracula around Europe. You're, uh, amassing, you know, tools, uh, and weapons that you need to, to try and kill him once you find him. Um, and it's just a, it's just a really fun game. It uses great movement mechanics. It uses one of my favorite uh, hidden movement mechanisms for uh, a board game, which is that rule set. You've also got day and night tracking because different things happen during the day versus the night. Um, so, yeah, overall, it's, it's it's a bit rule heavy. So on rules complications on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it a 7. Um, I think because there's a lot that whoever plays Dracula has to remember because you've got a lot of rules governing where you can go, when you can go and what information you have to give the players when certain things happen. So overall though, a wonderfully great themed game. Great for Halloween time. Love it. Um, uh, I don't know. Cause this game has a habit of going out of print. Uh, and when it goes out, of, it goes out of print. Uh, it, it becomes extremely, you know, uh, popular in the aftermarket. Uh, it didn't become really, really popular until the second edition because the second edition kind of, uh, um, um, fixed a lot of the, uh, the, the rules heavy stuff of the original edition, making it a lot more board game like and a lot less historical war game. Cause the, the, the first edition in 1987 was very rule heavy, um, and uh, so second edition became really popular, but then, like I said, went out of uh, went out of print for almost a decade and became uh thing. I don't know if fourth edition is out of print right now, um, but like on eBay, depending on what version you're wanting to get, you can get a copy anywhere from 60 uh, to upwards of like 400 bucks. So, Yeah. Yeah, I believe it's back in print again. Because, like I said, I remember seeing a copy of it, uh, A plus one day. And like, that sounds cool. And then I sent a picture to Scott. I was like, hey, you, you ever played this? And he's like, yeah, I have a copy on my shelf. I was like, okay, 
I'm going to put this back now. Um, I love to play it because I love Dracula, um, the Bram Stoker novel and, and everything attached to it. So sounds awesome. Yeah, it is quite fun. Um, it's something we, we will have to get together and play. So uh, yeah. if we can convince the doc to come down here to Kentucky this weekend, you know, maybe for Joe Bob night, we can play it, you know, Saturday or something or Sunday, you know. That's yeah, a hell of a drive. Just a hop, and a jump. Yeah. If he just wants to take a jaunt down here for a couple of days, that'd be fine. Yeah. No pressure. No jaunts. <laughs> <laughs> Not this weekend. <laughs> fine. <laughs> oh. Jump. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Is it back to me? I think so. I don't know. I lost track of everything. Uh, okay. <clears throat> this will tie in perfectly with what Scott just talked about then. Uh, did I mention I love Dracula? Because uh, my next game, it's also a video game. Sorry, Scott. Um, but it is not a survival horror game. It is a straight-up action platformer. Uh, and I was trying to look up. I don't... I think you have to get a copy for PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360 because I don't think it's out on... I don't think it ever got like a remastered version or an updated version. Uh, but it in and of itself is an update of one of the most beloved video game franchises of all time. Um, and it involves sort of Dracula. Uh, I was talking about Castlevania, specifically from 2010, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, which was a complete reboot of the Castlevania series uh, in the 2010, um, literally I picked this game up on the recommendation of someone at GameStop one day because I was looking for something uh, similar to God of War to tide me over while I was waiting for a new God of War game to came out. And he's like, dude, you got to play this. Um, and he was right because this is essentially God of War with a Castlevania makeover. Uh, instead of you know fighting monsters from Greek mythology, you're fighting vampires and werewolves and uh, goblins and, and uh, zombies and stuff like that. Uh, you play Gabriel Belmont, um, who is tasked, uh, he's part of an order of knights, you're tasked to track down and destroy a group called the Lords of Shadow. You go through this giant castle, killing enemies, platforming, solving puzzles, all the things you know from a Castlevania game. Um, you have a weapon called the Combat Cross, which is a fancy Swiss Army knife kind of version of the typical uh, uh, Morningstar or Whip of the Belmonts. Um, really fun combat, uh, super awesome, you know, real-time fast combat, lots of combos uh, that you can you know, level up and unlock and things like that. You get secondary weapons like throwing knives, crosses, holy water, the stuff you expect from Castlevania. Um the story takes a few twists. I don't want to give them away. Uh, it does eventually involve Dracula. I don't want to say too much. Uh, it's a really, really fun game, especially if you like that God of War-style combat. Um, more monsters than you can um, throw a... Uh, I don't have a metaphor for that. More monsters than you can kick in the nards. Um, it's an awesome <laughs> game. Uh, it got a sequel, which I never got around to playing. The first game has a couple DLC things that I, I don't know if you can find now or not. Um, but if, if you're like me and you remember playing the Castlevania games as a kid, but you never got super into the lore of Castlevania, this is a great one to start with because, again, this is a complete restart of the lore. You don't have to know anything coming into the game. 
you can start fresh on this and, and follow the lore of this chapter of Castlevania. Um, got great voice acting. The main character is voiced by Robert Carlyle. Uh, you have a, a fellow knight you kind of go uh, run around with who's voiced by um, Patrick Stewart. Um, really, really fun game. Um, again, not a, a, you know, I wanted to, to change things up. It's not a survival horror game. This is a straight action game. Um, maybe not the scariest. Definitely has some jump scares. But uh, just a really fun game involving lots of cool monsters in a big gothic castle setting. So, bam, there you go. Castlevania, Lords of Shadow. Nice. Well, <clears throat> yeah, once again, I've not played this game, but this falls into one of those categories of of um, if I never liked the original in a series, then I never picked up any anything in the franchise ever again. And I hated hated the original Castlevania. Really? God, I hated that game. Scott, what's wrong with you? I do not know why people love this game. This game made no sense at all. You you walked through nondescript side-scrolling scenes. And first of all, I hate platformers in the first place. Because okay. literally like that. the entire version the entire point of a platformer is now you gotta jump to this level up oh, it's a little too far you fell down start over you know what screw you i'm not playing this i'm not doing it um but then you have this you know you're supposed to be something with a vampire hunter or something which uses you know crosses and stakes and, and everything like that and, and in the original and i guess this carries through to all of them you get this really weird whip thing uh, which I never got. I mean, it's it's a whip. It's magic. I mean, you know, for, for the original game doesn't tell you that. It literally, you just got a whip. Yeah, You're just you whipping bats. Got to read the instruction book. Yeah, no, that's where all the story is in old games in the instruction book. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. I played. <laughs> Why I played are the Arnold original Schwarzenegger I... and Sylvester Stallone shooting xenomorphs in the jungle? Read the instruction book. I played the original <laughs> Legend of Zelda, and I knew exactly what was going on without reading any damn instructions. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, you're just whipping bats, and you got skeletons, and I, I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why. Why is this fun? And then you went to level two, and guess what? You did the exact same shit over again. Then you went to level three, and guess what? You did the exact same shit over again. That's, okay, gross and, oversimplification for a game so beloved. It spawned an entire genre. Yeah. Once again, uh, I, I don't understand why. I don't. I don't get so it. So Castlevania just... and Metroid spawned an entire genre known as uh metroidvania games where you have one setting that you return to multiple times as you get different abilities and different weapons and you can go to areas that you previously couldn't get to there is no necessarily one linear way to go through the game yeah Uh, yeah and that's another thing that pissed me off was the fact that i get this ability and now for some odd reason you want me to remember that 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 15 hours ago there was a door i couldn't get into Screw that shit. I don't I don't need to remember. Oh, that's right. I've got it down here on page out. six of my notes. I, I gotta remember to go back to the West <laughs> Wing and, and, and there was this one door I couldn't get into and apparently did nothing to me. Well now it does something. Well, I didn't know that. Once again, I should have looked back on page six of my notes. Yeah, you could follow Zelda just fine, where you have invisible keys and in certain items you have to purchase to blow up certain plants to get certain things with with no instruction whatsoever. You were fine yeah, with that. I was completely fine with that. Because once you go into a into a dungeon in Zelda, that dungeon has everything you need to complete that dungeon. 
and you went through the dungeons in order. I didn't get to the end of level. Hang on, I didn't get to the end of dungeon level seven, get a new ability, and go. Oh, that's right. There's a door in, in dungeon number one, level one, that I couldn't open. Well, now I can. I didn't work that way. You had a linear progression as you went. Now the game board was open, yeah, but. Like I said, once you were done with six, you knew everything that was ahead of you was ahead of you. I didn't have to. It's the same reason why I hate. Um, uh, oh, what's, what's that? That two-player game? They were like Gears of War. God, I hated Gears of War. I I played the first game, and it's like fight your way across here and talk to this guy. Okay, now I'm going to send you back to where you just were. Fight across the same level. Oh, no, no, you got to go talk to this guy. He's back over with the other guys. Fight across the same damn level. An hour and a half, I fought across the same level, just going between different people. And I turned it off. I'm like, screw you. I'm I'm done. I don't, I don't, I'm not done anything. I've done an hour and a half, and all I've done is be a gopher. Um, I've been a messenger. Modern gaming. Have we not heard of radios? We 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 we've had battlefield communications since World War One. Scott, Scott. And apparently you're sending runners. Gophering is a long honored tradition in gaming. New. Do we need to talk about Doom? <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean? Go get this Doom? color key. No, you can't get there. You got to get the other color key. Okay, no, to get that you have to get the other color key. Yes, but once again, you're in the same level when you're doing it. Theoretically. No, you're not. You don't. You don't get all the way to like the last level of the game, and you're like, oh no, no, no. You got to go back to, you know, level two and get a yellow key there. It's, or it's, no, you have an orange key now. If you go back to level two, it doesn't work that way. Everything that's ahead of you is ahead of you. It's exploratory, Scott. You're exploring your environment. You're mapping your environment while you do it, and you can't necessarily access everything you see as soon as you get yes. to it. I agree with that, but okay. once again, when you have to go backwards in a game, it pisses me off. Pisses me off. Then you are going to hate my next entry. <laughs> what, uh, what are we talking about? Scouts an old man who doesn't like video games. Oh right, right. Okay, <laughs> love video games when they make sense. Okay. That makes <clears throat> damn Did you right. get off my lawn? Sorry. That was that was the most Danny thing I've heard you say, Scott. <laughs> and that is a joke just for two. <laughs> Jason, what do you got? Sure. Uh, I actually have a board game. Oh, look at that. Um, it's a board game I recently played, and by recently I mean August. <laughs> uh, That's recent. And I. Really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, I what? What was that, John? Nothing. <laughs> I, I'm, I. It's. I guess you could say it's loosely a um, horror game. It's horror related in title and sort of things. But I think you're about to take one from my list again, Jay. It uh it's super duper fun. I I think we played it like three or four times while I was there, and I never got sick of it. I I could have played it for hours and hours and hours. It's a game that we have talked about on that has been talked about on this show before, and that is uh Zombicide Invader. I'm so proud of you right now, Jay. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> so the doc came to visit uh, for what, like three or four days you were here? And, yeah, it was uh, like about a week, yeah. Yeah, we, roughly we a played, week. We played the game. We had, we, had, we had like a game day and we played that game and a couple others with some people. And the next day we were driving back from lunch or something. And yeah. Jason like, so uh so what what are we gonna do uh, the rest of the day? And I'm like, uh I don't know, I hadn't really planned anything. And I just start rattling off stuff off the top of my head <laughs> and I throw out I guess we could go set up Zombicide Invader again if you want to play it with two people. And Jay's just like, Yeah, I I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a fun game. I mean it's very loosely horror related and this might sound crazy it actually probably won't to you guys but when i was playing it like i was in the mindset of i am on the i'm at this space station outpost on this planet trying to defend myself and others from these creatures like it like i could put myself in that position um Obi John has an amazing set that it's an expansion with characters, and there's so many character choices. There's about uh, to be more. <laughs> really, I'm borderline obsessed with it. Yeah, I'm not. There's no borderline. I cross the border. I'm obsessed with this game. Uh, it's it's so Zombicide is is a game that's been out for a while. Um, I kind of blame Scott for this, uh, like I do with pretty much everything with board games that I'm into. What did I, blame Scott. What did I do? What, what you did know I do? what you. I, I didn't you know said several years ago, "Hey John, do you want to go to Gen Con for the day?" And it's all downhill from there, Scott. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. You tried uh, to say no, but I bought your ticket. <laughs> you did. I couldn't say no at that point. Uh, I did give you my my favorite picture ever of Scott Cox, which is when you picked up. Um, Star Trek Ascendancy, <laughs> you're literally hugging the box with your face rested against it. And I was like, yeah. that is a look of pure joy. I want my wife to embrace me the way Scott Cox embraced <laughs> that board game. <laughs> Just lovingly, gingerly, so happy to have it in his arms. Uh, anyway, so Zombicide's been around for a while. Um, they've got different... So the, the base Zombicide is your survivors fighting off zombies. We've all played that game. Uh, they started coming out with, thank God, uh, variants of that kind of theme. And the one you have, Scott, is is it Black Plague? Black Plague, yes. Which is, Which is the you know, medieval one. The right, medieval. medieval. So yeah. in, instead of, you know, guns in, in uh, baseball bats in a mall, it's um, adventurers in a tavern with swords and magic and crossbows and shit. Having played Scott's version, I was like, wow, this is awesome. I really like this game. I want a version of it, but the the uh, great thing and the frustrating thing about being friends with Scott Cox when it comes to board games is that Scott Cox already has everything. Uh, so if you really, really like a game, Scott Pro- Cox probably already has a copy of it. I don't so have I was like, everything. okay, I want a copy of Zombicide, but I want one Scott doesn't already have. So he'll, you know, well, I'll have a reason to own it. Because uh, mm-hmm. when I play it, I'll probably be with Scott. So. They they announced they were doing Zombicide Invader, which was the science fiction overlay version of Zombicide, and I was like, perfect. Um, and the the expansion Jay's talking about was the civilian add-on, uh, which makes it at at the moment I have forty two playable characters. Um, there's a lot of them. They're all the the non copyright infringement version of science fiction <laughs> characters. Uh, there's yeah. not. 
<laughs> not Judge Dread Carl Urban. Uh, there's the <laughs> <laughs> the geniusly named Katie, which is not at all Katie Sackoff uh, from Battlestar Galactica. Um, there's not Rick and Morty. Um, it's it's uh, yeah. So that's that's part of why I love the game is when people come over and I just hand them a stack of cards and say, "Here, pick your character." Um, but yeah, it's co-op. You're on a space station. Uh, creatures called Xenos, wonder where they got that from, uh, are are invading, and you have to kind of you know fight off hordes of Xenos while you do stuff. Um, you, there's six characters. Uh, it's two, sorry, one to six player. Um, so you just divide up the six characters with whoever's playing. It's all co-op. Super fun. Lots of cool weapons and uh, to pick up and things to explore. The combat's really fun. Uh, but you're right, Jay. That was that was absolutely on my list too. I love the game. Uh, uh, and, and if and you're by next year, we'll be up to fifty uh, some characters you can play as. What what's coming out though? That uh, so <laughs> uh, I recently discovered that there's an entire other game set in the same universe um, that is playable in and of itself, but also works as an expansion. Um, oh, Black Ops! I forget what it's called. We uh, saw it together at. Uh, we did. A plus, uh, yeah. We did, but I'll eventually be picking that up. Uh, and then they did a, a really cool Kickstarter project with uh, Zombicide Invader and a couple other board games they have. Um, this company did, where they got with a comic book company and they were doing graphic novels based on their gaming properties. And I was like, well, that's cool. Let me look into that. And it was 30 bucks for one graphic novel. It's like a 250-page hardcover graphic novel. 30 bucks is not a bad price for that. So I was like, sweet, I'll prop down money for that. And then it, it made its funding, and they announced all the stretch goals. And the stretch goals bleh, are playable versions of the characters featured in the comic. So whenever that ships, which I believe is sometime next year, uh, I'll get six new playable characters and two new monster characters. Huh. And then whenever I pick up the other uh, standalone expansion, which I forget the name of, that'll be another six playable characters. Nice. And if you're really over the top, you can get on um, Amazon or eBay or whatever it is and get yourself a miniature that you then paint yourself because... You do have your own character that you call and play. And Scott. not at all pointing fingers at Scott Cox. Would you like to tell us about Dr. Falconer? Die, you alien motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> One of the uh, not copyright infringement Kmart characters is um, definitely not uh, Dr. Stephen Hawking. No, not Hawking. It's Dr. Falconer. Yes. In a armored wheelchair with rocket launchers and machine guns on it. Rocket launchers, machine guns, flamethrowers, tank treads. Uh, and Scott definitely did not uh, eBay his own figure minifig while playing it the first time uh, that he definitely doesn't bring over with him and it's not painted or anything uh, and then when he plays as that character he definitely does not use the voice app while speaking as that character uh, yep. yeah 
God, that game uh, was so much my, fun. I've got in my notes. Um, Zombicide Invader is the aliens board game I've always been waiting for. Talking to you, Gale Force Nine. Get your shit together. Sorry. Oh yeah. Venting. Sorry. Ah mm. uh, yes. So, and there is a. It's gonna, it's gonna ship in December. No, it's not. No, no, it's uh, not. <laughs> and there is a. Uh, no, it's okay. There's a playable Doc Brown and Marty and. Obviously, I had to play as Doc Brown. Um, it's just such a fun game. Like I, like I can't stop thinking about it, and I want to get my own copy. But it makes me sad that I can't have all the same playable characters because that's no longer a Kickstarter option. So, all I'm saying, Jay, is it is playable one player. It's not as much fun, but it is playable as one player. You could be six different characters. Uh, what what sold me on the game plan the first time with Scott is they have a, a dashboard for each player. And it sounds stupid, but I fucking love the dashboard. Uh where your yeah. your player card and all your equipment and your stats are all right there on one little dashboard right in front of you. Uh which is good for me because I don't have a huge table, so table space is important. Yeah. Um yeah. Um so yeah, the original zombie side uh is i think they did three seasons of that with some expansions that game does not have at least i had the first season with an expansion the original game did not have the dashboard uh you just had the player card and some things to mark your your stuff uh black plague was the first one that i saw that had that plastic dashboard that would hold all your cards and everything in a nice little tray so glad that they ported that into uh, invader. Yeah, it was it was really good. So that's yeah, that was my pick. God, I want to play it. Uh, it's a fun game. I'll uh, I'll look and see if it's on uh, tabletop simulator. I can't see why it wouldn't be. Uh, so much fun. Well, Scott Cox was a wonderful there? game. Well. So, there's another game that I got just recently, this past year, that has a bit of a history to it. Um, so, this is the first Halloween season that I've had this game, and unfortunately, with everything that's been going on, I haven't really had a chance to break it out during the Halloween season yet. Um, but I believe it needs to be mentioned. Uh got some some bugs in it but it is a fun game it's a great story behind it uh uh obi john's played this game with me three four times maybe five something like that um the evil dead board game technically the evil dead yeah board game uh so we've talked about the game uh on the on the show before Mm -hmm. um well technically we have not talked about the game on this show we talked about it on uh talk nerdy to me um, and so this game was licensed by a company called the uh, Space Goat Productions. <sighs> I forget, and they kickstarted it. Um, and I forget when they did when they kickstarted. It. I backed it, not at the full level. Um, I just wanted the deluxe copy of the game. I didn't get all the bells and whistles that came with it. So there was, so I think I put down like eighty bucks for the game. 
there were people that put down in excess of 250. Um, it was a huge success. The Kickstarter wildly popular. I think they were wanting like seven thousand dollars, and they got somewhere in the neighborhood of like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or some some shit. So hugely popular. Um, that was shit. I'm trying to remember now. Two thousand fourteen, something like that. That that happened. To this day, that game by that company still has not been fulfilled. And it's not going to be fulfilled. So after they did the Kickstarter for the original Evil Dead 2 board game, uh, they did another Kickstarter for another for a, another Evil Dead tie-in that they were doing. Not a game, it was a, a book of some kind. I don't know the details. That was wildly popular. They raised several hundred thousand dollars for that. And then there was, uh, then several months later, there was another Kickstarter for a Terminator 2 board game, which the artwork and stuff they had for it looked beautiful. Um, but, uh, I did not back that one, but that one was wildly popular again. And then over the next several years, it all went to shit. Um, communication started to lag from the company. You couldn't get, they, they wouldn't post updates, uh, People were wondering where their games were. Um, you had stories coming out from employees, former employees who had quit saying that the company was being mismanaged. Uh, and there was uh, uh, hostile work environments and sexual harassment suits being prepped and all kinds of rumors and, and stuff. And believe what you want, but yeah, all kinds of rumors were coming out. Uh course comments on it uh, uh, and everything. Now you cannot find the original Kickstarter on Kickstarter's website anymore. If you go to Google, you can Google it and get to it. Um, and I highly suggest that you do because over the course of two years, three years, whatever it was, um, this thing generated somewhere in the neighborhood of like 3000 comments, uh, on the comment section. We're going back and forth. It almost became a, a, a blog, not a blog, um, a forum completely on the comment section back and forth. Uh, and people were pissed because like literally some people got some things that were promised, but then others who ordered the same thing never got theirs. And then the guy, I mean, the, the Space Goat Productions actually completely closed its brick-and-mortar stores um, and and com- filed for bankruptcy and went the, the company went completely defunct. Um, the guy that owned it, owned the company, everything, uh, deleted all of his online accounts uh, and just went completely off the grid. He was gone. Um he has reemerged under different account names and people have tracked him down. Uh, one of those accounts uh, has been selling some game components from that Kickstarter that uh, were, were furnished to the company through eBay, <laughs> um, which a lot of people don't like, but there's really nothing they can actually do about it. Um, so about 2016, another company called Jasco Games came in, and they were able to acquire the IP for Evil Dead 2 board game. 
Um, and they were also able to purchase all of the assets that the original company that Space Goat Productions, uh, the tooling, the miniatures, uh, things of that nature, uh, some of the artwork that they had done for the game. Um, because Space Goat Productions had never actually paid any of the manufacturing facilities for the work that was done. So all of this stuff was still sitting at the manufacturing facilities because they wouldn't release it because they hadn't been paid for it. So Jasco Games was able to get the IP, like I said, the art and a lot of the assets. The only thing they were not able to get was um, the actual game itself. Uh, because that was still owned by Space Goat Productions. Um, so they took all this stuff and they came up with a totally new board game, which after reading, because I, I read that the, they published the rules for the first game, and while it was interesting, it was very rule-heavy. This game did have some simplified rules, and I, I think it was probably a little bit better of a, a more ambitious of a, a not a more ambitious, but a more attainable of a goal. And in 2016, I think, they started a campaign, uh, a Kickstarter campaign, to, um, to, to publish their Evil Dead 2 game with the caveat that if it funded, uh, everybody who uh, funded, who, who backed the original Kickstarter would also get a copy of this game. So they would honor the original Kickstarter list with a copy of the game. Now they couldn't give everybody all the extras, of course, because they didn't have those rights. They didn't have those, those assets or anything else like that. So, which I thought was a phenomenal gesture. Um, the Kickstarter funded, uh, and they honored their agreement. Uh, all of us that backed the original got our copy of the game from the original. Uh, so, you know, my hat's off to them. Since then, we've played the game. How many times have we played the game? Three times? Four times? At least like three. That. Yeah. Uh, got some it, house rule stuff added. Yeah, it's a fun game. It, it, it's a fun game. It, it's definitely got some some balance issues, uh, some things that we've personally house ruled just to make it a little more fun for us. Uh, we added a seller because the game did not come with a fruit seller, which I think is the biggest deficiency of the game. Um, it should be like... Um... Big trouble in Little China, where you just flip the whole board over. <laughs> it's the fruit seller. It's yeah. Evil Dead 2, and that fruit seller is the size of the entire fucking cabin. That's true, because it's underneath <laughs> the whole cabin. That, that is very true. Uh, and that's, that's, that's not a bad idea. Um, the, the, the one that I went for, it didn't, didn't wasn't that. But, um, but yeah, it's a fun game. So you're playing the different characters. You, uh, you've got Ash. You've got... Uh, Hell, I don't remember all the characters' name. Ed, uh, uh, and and all the characters in the second mm-hmm. movie. Ash, uh, not Ash, not Ash number two, not Ash yeah. number three. <laughs> uh, and if you're Ash and you get the chainsaw and the shotgun, you get to be combat Ash. Yeah. So you're yes. Yeah, so you're you're going around collecting pages of the Necronomicon, which have been scattered all over the place, and you're trying to close the portal which is just outside the cabin. And of course, every round it spits out deadites and the deadites move toward you and try to kill you and you have to fight them off. Um, everybody is dealt a, a basically a, a card that tells you if you are human or deadite. Um, there's certain things that will uh, cause, make you reveal if you're a deadite or a human. Um, 
but you're never required to, except in, like I said, a couple of instances. You may, at any time, if you are a Deadite, you may reveal that you are a Deadite if you wish. And when you do, there is a Deadite version of your character miniature, and you could just go full-on Deadite and try to, you know, you can help kind of control the deadites a little bit and you can use the pages in the Necronomicon or if you're a deadite you can you can try and keep it hidden and just subtly work against the party because uh, because your goal as a deadite is to is to kill everybody and 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 take over because uh, as you collect and deposit pages in the Necronomicon if you're a human when you deposit the pages into the portal you basically you add those pages to the good side, and if you get the requisite number of pages, then you'll close the porter. portal. If you're a deadite and you add pages, then you'll put them to the other side, uh, and you'll fully open the portal, and deadites will spew into our world and conquer and destroy the world as we know it. That's it. Deadites win. Game over. That's uh, bad, okay? What? That's bad, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, if this is a game that if if you're a huge fan of Evil Dead, play it. Get it, play it. It's great. Um you can find them on eBay all over the place. Uh there's some in stores. I, I don't know how widespread it is right now uh, as far as retail copies. But it's definitely they're out there, they're available. If you're a huge fan, you'll love it. Um if you're not a huge fan of Evil Dead, then I don't recommend this game because it's middle of the road for board games. Uh, at best, it's really the theme of this game is what drives it and sells it. Um, uh, but yeah, so horror games, uh, pop the movie on in the background. Great idea. Uh, I kind of wished we didn't get a chance to play it while, while Doc was here, did we? We didn't play this with you. No, we were too busy playing Zombicide and Vader. Yeah. And that's okay. No, it's not. But he wanted to do, and it was his trip, so. It's not about him. It's about us. Oh, sorry. 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 (laughs) So. No, it's a fun game. It's it's good. It is. The um, becoming a Deadite aspect to it is fun. You know, the, the it's cooperative till it's not kind of element is fun. Um, again, really well done version of a game based on a movie, which sometimes is harder to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a good time. And it's not outrageously expensive, like Zombicide Invader is becoming. <clears throat> <laughs> I just eBayed how much the civilian set goes for on the secondary market. Holy shit! <clears throat> so, yeah. Well, um, Jay, any more on your list? Um, the only one I wanted to give a shout out to was the PlayStation 4 version of Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, we it, don't support gun media here. We, go we ahead, don't. What? I mean, we've all bought the game. No, nah, no, nah, nah, screw those guys. We continue to play the game. No, it, it was <laughs> really. Are the servers I would like up to, anymore? I would like to play more of the game if we could get everybody online to play it. I thought they killed it, but really? Well, yeah. Go ahead, Jay. Sorry. 
Well, for the time that I did get to play it, it was enjoyable. I thought it was fun. Um, when you're playing with the right group of people, if you're playing it online, there's a lot of backstabbing. A lot of you probably won't play as Jason for quite some time. Um, there are some really good people playing as Jason Voorhees, and then there are some not so great people playing as Jason Voorhees. Uh, and there's some drunk people playing as Jason Voorhees while their friends take the headset and make insults at him the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Uh, so if you don't know what we're talking about, Friday the 13th was a, an online multiplayer game where you were at Camp Crystal Lake and you spawned as either a survivor or um, as Jason. And uh, if you were a, count, a camp counselor or a surviving character, your goal was to escape the camp in different ways uh, without getting killed by Jason. If you were Jason, your goal was to kill the campers. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun when I did play it. But like I said, you got to play with the right group of people. Um, if you're just playing it randomly online, I remember I was playing it one time and another survivor and I were working together to get in the boat. And then somebody came out of nowhere and killed me with an axe to steal the boat that I had worked so hard to get all the parts to. And so it just kind of sucked. But um, you'd have that betrayal type stuff. You got killed by another player? Yeah. I didn't think that it was, was possible. It was early. Yeah. Uh, they that was one of the first patches they made when it first uh, came out. You could attack other counselors. Ah, uh, see, I never played it during that era. I didn't know that was there. Yeah, yep, yeah. It, that it was one sucked. of the first things they took away. Yeah, because I worked so hard to get all the pieces to that boat, and this other guy, like, managed to communicate with this other person who we did not have a headset, but communicated, "Hey, we're going to get in this boat," and then was like chopped in the back of the head with an ax or something. So, yeah. Um, now I, I enjoy this game when I'm playing with, you know, my group of friends, you know, uh, Obi John, uh, Catherine, Chris and, and, and all them, when I'm playing with people I can talk to and, and we're playing together, I, I like the game. I won't play with just random strangers, but I just don't like playing any game with random strangers. Um, Though I, I do have to give gun media credit. I mean, I know this game is buggy as shit, and there's a lot of stuff that you can point out is wrong about the game. At its core, you know, it is a it is a I it's a fun game, but what they wanted to do or what they tried to do with like the walkie talkies at the beginning of the game, now it quickly just went away. Um, the fact that if you got a walkie talkie, you could talk to other counselors in the game unless you were in a private group with some of your friends then that overrode that i thought that was really ambitious i don't know of any other game that's done that so well you could always talk to counselors the walkie-talkies boost to the distance you could talk to people if you were using the in-game chat yes yes if you were close enough to each other yeah you if you were in the same room game. you could yes yeah yeah no look the game was you know faults and there were many of them it was a fun game and I had many, many hours playing with friends online. It was a good time. I think the last time we played was Koran's birthday last year, uh, where we had a full eight people on a private server playing, and it was it was a good time. Um, my issue is the company behind it. Um, love to overpromise and underdeliver. 
a lot on everything. It, it took a good two years of DLC and patches for that game to get anywhere near what they said it was going to be when they launched it. Uh, and then they used this whole lawsuit to just, uh, hey, oh, we're done. You know, wash their hands of the whole thing. Um, so we're never going to get uh, Uber Jason from Jason X. That's, it's never going to happen. Um, and, and I don't, I think the servers are still up. Um, but it, it I, good luck finding anyone who's playing nowadays. So. But I, I thought they, I thought it was. Uh, P, you, you had it where people were hosting. Didn't they make that change at one point that it was it was game host? Because there was a problem with host migration there for a little while. They kept asking for that. I don't know if they ever delivered on that. Because that was a problem, I'm pretty sure, up till the day I stopped playing, was if the person who was Jason dropped out or if the person who was the host dropped out, the whole game would just stop. Yeah, but if if that... I mean, now the host migration may not be the best, but if the game is centered around players hosting, which means there are no servers to, to, to maintain, the game is still playable. And that's one reason why I advocate uh, player machine hosting versus, versus uh, supported servers. Because eventually, every game that has supported servers, those servers are going away. Mm-hmm. There is no game that has stayed popular and and uh, profitable enough indefinitely to maintain those servers. World of Warcraft. Except for Pretty possibly much. World of Warcraft. <laughs> uh, I'll give you that one. You, you got me on that one. <laughs> but World of Warcraft. And if it's is true for one game, then your entire argument is wrong, Scott. Sorry, say All again. you need is one counterexample. Said if it's true for one game, then your entire argument is bullshit. That's, no, what Batman, no, that's what no. Batfleck taught me. No, that, there's that a one percent chance. <laughs> that, that means there's an exception that, that proves the rule. All right, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, no, according to math logic, all you need is one counterexample. So we've provided that. We have debunked your argument, Scott. No, actually, you haven't. You just need one, Scott. Now, one no, counterexample. Yes, yes, you do. You do need one counterexample. I will give you that. But if we are talking in the strictest of senses, then that one counterexample has to be true until the end of time. And it will be. There will be nothing left. <laughs> and wow. But World of Warcraft. Except servers. World of Warcraft. It's just yes. like it's just like Newton's law of gravity. Yeah, we consider it a law, but if you hold up a pencil and you let go of a pencil you technically don't know it's going to drop. Odds are it will drop, but you don't know. This could be the one moment in history where gravity doesn't work. But you could you be don't on know. a spaceship and not know it. Exactly. We could be yeah. in the Matrix. Oh. <laughs> but um, You could be in Schrodinger's space capsule. You could, Or you could be in Schrodinger City and have, you know, Kiefer Sutherland in a weird... You know, black leather thingy standing just that, off to the side observing you. Is that a Dark City reference? That is a Dark City reference, sir. That's why I love you, Scott. <laughs> you you could be Schrodinger's cat. That Wait. too. We don't know. All this, right. this, well, <laughs> this has been Are You Nerdy With Me? <laughs> uh, but that said, so there are, there are our... Uh, Annunciation's fun. Uh, examples of some games you can bust out and play with your friends during a spooky season. 
uh, both video and board. Um, honorable mention to Werewolf, which is a fun game. All I need for that is a group of friends and uh, someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, you don't need cards or minifigs or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's the same backstabby, accuse your friends, uh, lose yep. some friendships. Uh, gameplay is uh, you know our favorites like uh, The Thing and um, Dracula sounds like it might be. Um, so there you go. Uh, those are our games. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with us. Let us know uh, if there's any we didn't mention. I'm sure there's a ton of survival horror video games I didn't mention. Uh, I was going to talk about Resident Evil 2 Remastered because it's fantastic, but uh, there's only so many times I can talk about the same mechanics in games over and over and over again. Um, See, real quick, circling back to the beginning of this episode, when when Jay gave us the first one on his list of games that he loves in, in this series, in all honesty, that's where I thought we were going with with that was because, you know, movie tie in uh, the first time you see the antagonist is scary as shit. They don't give you enough you know, weapons or ammo to actually kill the bad guy. I thought he was talking about the original uh, Resident Evil because uh, so, the original Resident Evil matches all of those descriptions. Yes. Yes, it does. Um <laughs> Resident Evil is the granddaddy of survival horror video games, yeah. and uh, Resident Evil 2 Remastered is fantastic. You go play it. You can get it pretty cheap right now. Um, but yeah, so the other games I taught, you know, Dead Space and Alien Isolation take all the same elements, because those yeah. are tropes of survival horror, so... Yeah, that's fine. There's only so many times I can repeat the same tropes over and over and over again on this list, but... This is very true. <laughs> But that is our show. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, This has been your weekly Nerd Alert.